listening to Open Mic Friday, Law and Gospel, which means you can phone me, Tom Baker, on any theological question you have from the Bible. I'm not going to guarantee I can answer it. I'm not omniscient, knowing everything in the Bible, but if it is a question the Bible does answer, I'll find out the answer by Monday and let you know. But most of the time, I can figure out what the answer is on Open Mic Friday. So if you're in St. Louis, the number to call is 821-0850. And even if you're in St. Louis or anywhere in North America, you can do the toll-free number 1-800-730-730. 2727. And while we are waiting for our first call, I want to mention to you uh, how really enlightening is listening to the Bible on CD. The particular text that I'm listening to not only has different voices for the different people, but it also has a soundtrack, like if it's cattle, you'll hear cattle. It also has music in the background. It's very interesting. And two weeks ago, I finished the first 60 CDs of the Old Testament. And my, did I ever learn a lot. You know, it's one thing for a pastor. We go and look at the four lessons assigned for each week, and we may go into depth on them. It's quite another thing to read the entire book in preparation for a sermon. So, Wednesday, after finishing preaching that evening, I listened to the first CD of the New Testament. And, of course, it started in Matthew. And it's really, I found quite interesting how I came up with a number of things that I probably knew, but was reviewing for me. For example, it begins with the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham, and begins with Abraham as the father of Isaac and moves all the way down to Jacob, the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom Jesus was born, who is called Christ. Then Matthew 1 verse 17 is really interesting. So all the generations from Abraham to David were 14. From David to the deportation to Babylon, 14. And from the deportation to Babylon to the Christ, 14. So there was something that I had known, but I had kind of forgotten about, 14 14, 14. And we're going to be going to our phone lines right now. And we're going to start off by listening to Marilyn. Marilyn, you're on the air. Yes, I'm turning this off. I wanted to have a question in reference to the Holy Spirit. Actually, two questions. Sometimes referred to as the Holy Ghost. And the other question that I have is, when we are baptized, is that when the Holy Spirit comes into our heart? 
That Those are really good questions because a lot of people are wondering, why did we change from Holy Ghost to Holy Spirit? Holy Ghost, the both the Hebrew and the Greek refer to kind of like wind. Holy Ghost, therefore, is the same as Holy Spirit. We just are using a, a different word. Uh, he was there at the beginning of creation, if you'll remember, and that's when he hovered over the face of the water. So uh, the ghost word is kind of a King James version, and the Holy Spirit is more modern translations. So that's the only reason why it changes. I beg your pardon? The Holy Spirit is the comforter, right? Well, Jesus says, I'm going to send you another comforter. And then it even talks about the works of the Holy Spirit. Your second question is also really good. Namely, when you came to faith, is that when you received the Holy Spirit? Actually, nobody can come to faith prior to receiving the Holy Spirit within them, because the Holy Spirit creates faith. So even in the Old Testament books, many of the prophets were spoken of as being filled with the Holy Spirit in order to prophesy the Word of God. However, there is another receiving of the Holy Spirit that occurs at Pentecost, where you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And I'll tell you one difference. No one in the Old Testament who had the Holy Spirit, their bodies were not the temple of God. But in the New Testament, when you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit through the sacrament of baptism, then your bodies become the temple of God uh, rather than having to go to a man-made place or a temple. And so that's a big difference between the Holy Spirit bringing people to faith and the Holy Spirit coming as a gift. Because even Jesus says that the disciples had not yet received the gift of the Holy Spirit, even though they were believers. So this gift of the Holy Spirit means the Holy Spirit is within you, Marilyn, because you have been baptized. And that is a kind of a guarantee of your salvation as well as you're going to heaven. Oh, God bless you. Thank you, Pastor. Well, thank you so much for calling. Okay, goodbye. And anybody else can call. Our numbers are 821-0850-1-800-730-2727. And we're going to go and listen to James. Hi, James. You're on the air. Hello, Pastor. How, How are you doing? Are you? I'm doing well. Well, today we have uh, one question and one scriptural application request. Okay. Um, so, Pastor, when the civil law seems to be paralyzed and morality and justice uh, silenced, um, 
is righteous indignation and empathetic mercy by the church and its diverse bodies enough? That's our first question. Okay, now, Uh, is righteous indignation and what by the church? Empathetic mercy by the church and its diverse bodies enough. When, When you see that civil law seems to be paralyzed and morality and justice seems to be silenced. That's our first question. Well, let me uh, just Uh, touch base with that first. If you'll remember, that was the situation of the early Christians. Um, They were ending up where righteousness was really being overruled. The emperor was arresting them, throwing them to lions, putting them on crosses, etc. And yet they still would witness to their love of Jesus Christ, knowing that he would take care of them. So in your question, I would say that the church does its best in, first of all, speaking to those who are contrary to the will of God, warning them that what happened to Israel into the Babylonian captivity can happen to anyone if they rebel against God. We saw what happened with Adam and Eve. And then at the same time, preaching the message of the forgiveness of sins, telling anyone who is contrary to the law, it doesn't matter what they have done, as they repent of those sins, they are totally forgiven. And it is as though in God's mind, they never committed the wrongs that they had been doing. So you use both law and gospel in the church when it appears that the civil law is paralyzed. But I'm not so sure that's true today. Believe it or not, I was driving back from preaching Wednesday night, and I was pulled over by the police. It's a two-lane highway, so I had to crunch really to the right, so the policeman, he really had bright lights on. And what I found out was my left headlight was out. And he was just giving me a warning uh, to be careful on the rest of the way home. And uh, about half hour ago, I left Lou Fuse, and they had put in not one headlight, but two headlights, because the car I'm driving has 208,000 miles on it. <laughs> so I want to make sure both of them are going to keep on working. So the fact that people watch the speed limit, and that people are arrested for robbing banks, etc. I wouldn't consider at this time that civil law is paralyzed. A lot of people get away with things. Uh, They were saying in some cities where people just do drive-by shooting, 90% of them get away with it. The, The police don't know who they are, and of course the neighbors are afraid to give any information to the police. But the church is there... Active. I don't know if you knew this. We have a Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod congregation in Ferguson that we set up. I did. I did know it's in our in in the Empowerment Center. Yes. Very good. What's your second uh-huh. question? Well, my second question is, and we've agonized deeply over this in our group, and then we remembered that in the book of, and I can only you can only say it the best way, Habuk, Habuk, Habakkuk. Habakkuk. Yeah. Uh, I always say, have a cake. Go ahead. (laughs) (laughs) But during times of trouble in the past, 
you have shared your favorite verse from that book. Yes. And therefore, therefore today we please, well, not we please, today please share that verse with us again. It's, and then also also give us an explanation of, of chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. We'd like to hear your favorite verse and how you use it uh, during times of trouble. And we'd like for you to give us an explanation of Habakkuk verse, chapter 1, verses 1 through 4, if you could. Okay, I will. Uh, you're going to stay on the that. air? No, no, I'm going back. Sure, okay, thank you. All, all right. right, bye. First of all, let's take a look at my favorite uh, verse. It's Habakkuk chapter 3, the last three verses uh, in the book. It's right before Zephaniah. Though the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit beyond the vines, the produce of the olive fail, and the fields yield no food, the flock be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls. So these are all the kind of things that happen. It reminds you of Solomon. Vanity of vanities, all is vanity. Everything is meaningless. And I kind of had a day like that not long ago. Uh, it was the day that I got stopped by the police. I wasn't very happy about that, although it was good to hear the warning about my headlight being out. And then I had spent some time in going to a restaurant, and I had coupons, and they wouldn't accept the coupons. Then we, and a friend of mine, the organist at one of the churches, ended up coming with me to see a shut-in, and she's always in the nursing home, but for some reason, she was out of the building till 6.30 that night, which was too long for us to wait. And it was kind of one thing after the other didn't seem to be working. Therefore, verse 18, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation, God the Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the deer's. He makes me tread on my high places. Now, who does that remind you of? It reminds me of Jesus Christ. How did he take joy in the God of his salvation? If you'll remember the lost sheep, the shepherd goes, finds it, puts it on his shoulders, and with joy returns home. That word joy is also found in the book of Hebrews. And it is talking about the attitude of Jesus on the way to the cross. He had joy. Why? Because the Lord God was his strength, and he was able to travel as it was necessary to the cross, and he knew that by his death and his resurrection, many people will be going to heaven and the whole world will have its sins forgiven. So I can't think of anything more dramatic, and like fig trees not blossoming, no fruit on the vines. Yeah, so the farm may fail. I've been driving around quite a bit in Illinois, and for the first few months of this year, almost every field was flooded. 
And I really felt bad for the farmers. Now, recently, as we go through those same fields, except for maybe a handful, have corn growing and soybeans. And it was just amazing how quickly that came up. I can't think of a time in my life, even with the death of my son or my father or my mother, that I wasn't able to rejoice in the Lord because of my trust in his promises that all things will work together for my good. A lot of times I don't see that, but I believe it because that's what God's word says. So now you want me to take a look at the beginning of the book of Habakkuk, chapter 1, verses 1 to 4. The oracle that Habakkuk the prophet saw, O Lord, how long shall I cry for help, and you will not hear, or cry to you violence, and you will not save? Why do you make me see iniquity, and why do you idly look at wrong? Destruction and violence are before me. Strife and contention arise. So the law is paralyzed and justice never goes forth. For the wicked surround the righteous. So justice goes forth perverted. Now, this is the prophet looking at the world through his sight, not looking at it through faith. The very next verses, God answers. Look among the nations and see, wonder and be astounded. For I am doing a work in your days that you would not believe if told. For behold, I'm raising up the Chaldeans, that bitter and hasty nation who march through the breadth of the earth to seize dwellings not their own. They are dreaded and fearsome. Their justice and dignity go forth from themselves. Now, you would think, why is that a good answer? Because God is using them in order to make a point. He is executing judgment against Judah through an enemy nation. Now see, when Habakkuk looks at his experience and the world, it seems like God is idle and he's not working at all. And what he doesn't understand is that God is using the Chaldeans in order to bring Judah back into his presence. They had really been disobeying God. I mean, just take a look at all the reasons that God was against Judah and Israel because they were not worshiping properly. They were being very unfair to the poor They had no justice and dignity. And so God sets up what appears to be terrible, the Chaldeans, coming to punish Judah in order that they might repent. Nobody can read the book of Judges 
without seeing God doing this again and again and again. It starts off, the people love God, there's good worship, and then they begin to rebel against God, start worshiping other idols, and fool around with their own worship. And so God allows a nation to come to them and fight against them. And the people get all worried, and they pray to God for deliverance, and he sends to them a judge. And we know these judges then would defeat the enemy, and people would be all happy, joyous again, because God was not idle. He was really taking care of things. But they would rebel again. And so this is a constant refrain in the book of Judges. It's a constant refrain even in the Old Testament. Why did the chosen people of God go into Babylonian captivity? Because of their wickedness, because of their idolatry. And so finally, Habakkuk is really a great book of comfort. In chapter 2, verse 2, the Lord answers him, write the vision, make it plain on tablets, so he may run who reads it. And what you have here is a wonderful vision. Woe to the Chaldeans. They're going to be defeated. And that's when there's a prayer in chapter 3 of Habakkuk. O Lord, I have heard the report of you and your work, O Lord, do I fear in the midst of the years, revive it. In the midst of years, make it known. In wrath, remember mercy. And he talks about that God does all these things for us. I mean, who of us have not had parents that disciplined us? Can, can you imagine if parents never disciplined us, that we could do anything we wanted and get away with it? Such youngsters, and this is why it's so sad that many families no longer have a husband or father living at home, that they end up in jail. Why? Because apart from discipline, you just end up doing whatever you want. The Coffee Hour had an excellent, and you need to rehear this, about the evil, the shootings in the world. Uh, people are trying to say, well, that's what? Because of guns, let's take away guns. No, no, no. It's because of the evil heart of human beings. And in the evil heart of human beings, they're always looking out, what is best in my self-interest? And so when things go wrong in their life, they become victims in their mind. And therefore, they have to fight against those who made them victims. Well, that's why the, my favorite verse, though all these things on the farm are falling apart, the flock be cut off from the fold, there's no herd in the stalls, yet I still will rejoice in the Lord. Why? I will take joy in the God of my salvation. There is nothing that happens to a Christian to get rid of his salvation. Nothing can remove you from God except one thing, and that would be unbelief. But as long as you trust that Jesus Christ is your Savior, as long as you cling to the promises that he provides you, 
then you also can rejoice in the midst of grief and sadness. Who among you would deny that one of the worst times of grief and sadness is at the death of a loved one, especially the unexpected death, maybe of a son or a daughter due to an accident or a father and mother who seemed to be in good health but died quickly. Yet when we attend funerals, we see a joy there, not because the person has died, but because we know as a Christian he's still alive and we will one day see him again. I just attended a funeral of a dear friend of mine from my former congregation, a wonderful layman. We had Bible studies in his house. And the funeral was about an hour and a half because people were praising what God had done through him. And there was a great amount of faith in Jesus Christ. It didn't stop the tears, but it certainly stopped the discomfort. I'm Tom Baker. You'll listen to Law and Gospel. Next Monday is the day we take a look at one of the readings. We're actually going to do two readings next week. One we're going to use for the Wednesday Bible study, and the other one we're going to do on Monday. So tune in on Monday to find out what we're doing. Till then, God bless. Listen to Law & Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law & Gospel, please make your check payable to Concordia Mission Society and mail it to Tom Baker, P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri 63132. To give online, visit lawandgospel101.com or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.